0: man that you fear most in football staring you right in the
1: face. Pitch ah! to Walter, looking for the record, cuts back, he's got it! Ah! Historians may debate whether Chicago's defense was the best unit ever to play the game. Ah! Go Bears! Ooh! Welcome to the ESPN Chicago pregame show ah! on the ESPN Chicago app, 100.3 HD Two, and ESPN One Thousand. Ah! Here are your hosts, Jeff Miller and Dion Miller. Ah!
2: Week four is upon us, and we have plenty of opportunity Uh, uh, to talk about the Bears and Lions today at Soldier Field. Justin Fields will be the starting quarterback. They tried to keep that one under lock and key as long as possible.
3: Ended the suspense last night.
2: They did, as we got the uh, official word. Justin Fields will be the starter for the Bears. So that, I think, is good news for Bears fans, because nobody was too excited about the opportunity to watch Andy Dalton try and Try and find his way through a game while he was hindered by injury. Correct. But before we get there, Dion, yeah. <laughs> we have to talk a little bit about what took place last Sunday. Before we completely turn the page, and we'll talk to Jeff Dickerson at ten thirty-five. We've also got a. Uh, we're also going to have to roll up our sleeves and talk about the Bears. The Bears deciding that they're going to try and move forward and purchase land out in Arlington. They have a purchase agreement in place to move to Arlington Heights. So we'll talk about that as well. But first and foremost, that disaster that was last okay. Sunday.
3: Can I start with something? Uh, it's Sunday. I feel like I need to come clean. I owe you an apology. Like right out of the gate, I owe you an apology. Because last week you said, if, if everything is a complete disaster, and I think I I cut you off. And I said, complete disaster? That's mm. not even on the table. Because we've seen Justin do well. Mm. Not only was it on the table, Jeff, it was the only meal that we were being served last week. It was an utter disaster, and I need to ask for, uh, to at least submit an apology that I didn't go with it because you were right; it was a complete disaster, and there was nowhere for them to go. They didn't know where to go. There was nowhere to turn. There were no answers. It was it was cover your eyes, don't admit you're a Bears fan. Ugly.
2: All right, uh, you are too kind, Deion Miller, <laughs> because. Honestly, I don't remember at any point. At some point between that statement almost being uttered by me <laughs> and the end of the show, I was completely <laughs> drunk on Justin Fields' Bears Kool-Aid. As we I all was, were. <laughs> we were predicting. I was predicting a 200-plus yard passing game, multiple touchdowns. That was not anywhere one. close to in the cards.
3: One. One passing yard. One.
2: Right? Yeah. Is, that, is that bad? I,
3: I think we could accomplish that.
2: Yes, you know what? That might be an overused <sighs> cliche. The the talk show hosts off yeah. the radio <laughs> saying even we could have done even that.
3: Even I could have done that. But
2: honestly, it's not out of the realm of possibility that we could have registered one passing yard, one net passing yard because of all the sacks that were on display. Right. You know. So yeah, it was an absolute debacle.
3: Yes. From Go.
2: And so that is my question right now to Bears fans. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. The Bears have never fired a head coach in season. No, never. But are we at the point now where you as Bears fans if things go poorly today? Right. Do you want to see Matt Nagy fired if the Bears lose and look bad against the Lions at home today?
3: Uh, I would think that those Isn't that would it? that would get louder because it's not it I know it's only week 4. But this is not only a week four situation, a four week situation. This is something that we've been talking about with Matt Nagy for three years. His offense has not worked no matter who the quarterback is. It has not worked. And he has not been able to move away from his mission with his offense, thinking it's the grand glorious savior of the Bears. He has not been able to adjust at all. And and that's why that's why it feels more eminent that this could be the first time in franchise history that they would make a change.
2: And remember, when the Mark Trussman era was unfolding, <laughs> we had back-to-back games of fifty points against yes. by the defense, against the Patriots, a bye, and then a Sunday night massacre where Chris Collinsworth was talking about how embarrassing a display it was. For the founding franchise of the league. Yes. And yet still, Mark Tressman was I allowed know. to go ahead and coach out the season. The difference was, even though it felt like there was still an eternity to go, that was already almost halfway through the season. True.
3: That is true.
2: We're talking about week three, Matt Nagy having almost no clue. Dion, last weekend's game, last Sunday against the Browns, for me, was a JFC game. Where I'm talking about, and you know what I'm talking about if you're on social media, a Jesus bleeping Christ, I'm going to have to go to confession as a Catholic <laughs> because the Bears are making me take the Lord's name in vain.
3: It was right. it was that bad. No, you're correct. It, I had to pray about it too. It was really bad.
2: It was unbelievable that we were at that spot. And it's like all of the excitement you have as a Bears fan to finally see this quarterback, everything's up, and then this is what you deliver. I don't think anybody has any answers. I certainly know they don't have answers at Hallis Hall.
3: They have no answers at Al- at Hallis Hall. When Matt Nagy is turning to his players to ask for, what can I do better? This is a coach who is drowning in the current situation that he's in. And the things we heard coming out of his mouth this week, it was... It was, there are moments you look around and you're like, what, what is happening? What in the actual world is happening right now? And so now here we sit wondering how different it might look when on Friday it was a game time decision. On Saturday they decided to go with Justin Fields. So, and they felt good about their game plans. So they had two game plans going, like one for a limping veteran and then one for a super mobile quarterback. We're expected to believe that that is going to change in, in from week to week.
2: All the more reason to lack confidence. A team that can't even put together one cogent game plan is trying to put together two. Right. This is not good. And
3: trying to get us to believe they put together two and they feel really good about it. Because why? They've had honest conversations. Like, that's why we're supposed to feel confident this week?
2: Matt and Aggie, first of all, what we've seen on the field, there's no confidence. It's all gone at this point. Gone. Second of all, now... When you listen to him go to the podium, and you brought it up, so we may as well let the folks out there hear this if they haven't heard it already. This is something. When he was asked, is there a chance they're going to change play calling, this was something.
4: So what we've done is we've, uh, I think probably the best part of the last 48 to 72 hours is we've had some amazing, um, healthy conversations between coaches and coaches, between coaches and players, uh, players and players, players and coaches. That's what I appreciate the most. And so, without getting into specifics of what we're gonna do and how we're gonna do it with not just that stuff, but other other topics, I'm gonna keep that internal. Um, and I think that's the best part right now for us, is, is the fact that, and that's what I've found going through this, is there's a few things that you learn through people, is you, you learn um, having raw honest conversations is healthy, it's good. it, 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 it enables you to realize um, you know why things happened. And I think too it's also uh, really good from a coaching perspective to have the talks and communication open communication um, with the players and And so you take what they give you, and you use it and that's really what what i'm going to do it's what it's what we're going to do it's what they're going to do and week three right now being one and two and having a, a loss of things like that uh, sometimes it just recalibrates you and, it, and it, it makes you refocus on certain things and in, in a good way and i think the players understand from my perspective where i come from and how real i am how hard i am on not just them but myself and that um, I'm about solutions, man. I am not about negativity. I am not about anything but trying to do what's best for, for the Bears at anything. You know what I mean? And so um, has, I'd be sitting here lying to you all if I said it's been easy. She, darn right, it has not been easy. It's been hard. But when I signed up for this job, I knew there was going to be times that I go through this kind of stuff. And now I'm getting tested to see where I'm at with this. And I know in the core of who I am. And I know in the core of who our players are. And I, I know what we're about and when you see the people that come to, to bat for you behind the scenes that's to me what gets you through this kind of stuff you know and i and and so again like that's 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 what gets you going and that that kind of helps you go as you have those other conversations and you accept it and and you move on and that that's what i'm about the criticism's fair i, I go back to to uh to to again last to the game and again, the more you're in it, the more you see it. You got to move on, but you also got to accept it. That's what I'm going to do moving forward.
2: That was Wednesday. That's the sound of a man who has had a lot of sleepless nights, Dion.
3: So so who's calling the plays? Like what what how how did that 4-minute diatribe come out of his mouth on the question of who's going to call the plays this week? And he's about honest conversations and solutions. That that doesn't tell me Who's gone? That doesn't answer the question even a little bit. And that's he's protesting so much and so different from a year ago when it was a ceremonious handing off. Right. It was like, OK, I'm going to step back. We're going to let Bill Lazor call the place. I, I I, I don't know what that he, was.
2: He has no answers. That's not clear. And it only felt like four minutes. That was two and a half. Because oh, that I, wasn't I, the whole I, thing. I, no, that wasn't even the whole thing. There's still a minute eight. Oh, that's, that <laughs> we haven't even played because if you've been hearing this all week long, you've been hearing the four minute chunk. I, I said, that's too long. It's too long. Two I and a half minutes. It was unbelievable. There were no answers. There were he no, has answers. no answers. Who is he convincing? Is he convincing himself?
3: He's con- I Is he think trying so.
2: to convince Ryan Pace, the McCaskies. I don't know. Is he trying to convince the, convince the fan base? Because at this point, is there anything Matt Nagy can do for this fan base to have faith in him? And believe that he should be brought back next season. Is there I, anything I don't that think can so. be done?
3: I don't think so. I mean, what could it be at this point? Because it's we saw a game plan for Justin Fields that they had, from draft day, they had raved about they can't wait to get their hands on this guy. And they can't wait to implement a game plan for him. And then they ran the same game plan they've run for every other quarterback they've put back there. They didn't adjust anything. Anything.
2: First of all, he, it doesn't seem like Matt Nagy has a plan when he goes to the podium. He's asked questions. No,
3: he doesn't have and a he plan. Just I don't rambles. think so either.
2: And here's the problem. You, you should know. you should It should be clear you're going to be asked about the play calling. Right. And listen, I don't know what the approach should be, but if he's calling plays, he would be to definitive. I'm going to call plays. Yes. Right? And so by meandering through you know, the four minutes that you mentioned or the two and a half there you hear a man who doesn't want to tell you that he's given up play calling because he's clearly... The only thing he can hang his hat on, and we've broached this topic a few times now, is is the offense. Because he has completely divorced himself from overseeing the defense. At every, at every opportunity, when he tells you that he didn't talk to Eddie Jackson when he didn't touch down Van Jefferson in the first game. Right. So by divorcing himself from that, the only thing that he can cling to is an offense that he hopes can make some strides. But after possibly the worst performance under him as a head coach in year 4 there's nowhere to go and i think he had, he feels like if he admits he gives up he had to give up play calling yet again he's admitting complete failure
3: what i also hear is a coach who is i think gonna lose the locker room and that's what i hearken back to Trussman because i remember sitting in press conferences with Trussman and you would think like i don't i don't remember any nfl coach ever Sounding like this, right? Like putting these sorts of answers together to talk about relationship and core building. I mean, remember in the, in the locker room, Trussman like shuffled everybody's locker around so that yeah. everybody was mingling and eating dinner together and it was all about relationship. And now here we are again where Nagy's like all about the conversation behind the scenes and he's searching for something to say and, and you don't want him to continue down this road and lose, especially a defense has every right to be frustrated
2: it's an x's and o's game it's not a it's not all about interpersonal relationship he can talk about that all he wants he's not putting his players in the best possibility the best opportunity to succeed have his players lost confidence in him some folks actually are coming to his defense we'll let you hear who that is
1: next on espn 1000 this is ESPN Chicago pregame on the ESPN Chicago app 100.3 HD2 and ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.
2: Back on the Bears pregame show here on ESPN 1000. I'm Jeff Meller alongside Dion Miller of ABC7. She covers the Bears and plenty of other things. She'll be in Houston this week as the White Sox get their divisional playoff series started against the the Houston Astros in a rematch of the 2005 yes. World Series. That begins on Thursday, but you're going to fly down on Tuesday. I am. So you're I'm really going to get my full very busy.
3: intake of Houston. No, I am I am excited because I love October baseball. Who doesn't? I know. It's the best. So the
2: best. make sure that uh, you obviously know by now that uh, we are the home of the Chicago White Sox. So we'll have you covered throughout the playoffs as yes. deep as the White Sox go. And even past that, we will have all of your MLB playoff coverage here on ESPN 1000. To make sure you are aware of that. All right, let's. Uh, we're gonna let you hear from some of the players inside the locker room supporting Matt Nagy. But first, uh, take a couple calls quickly here. Let's try Mitch, who's in Uptown. Mitch, where are you at right now with the Bears and Matt Nagy, their
5: head coach? Um. Well, basically, just I just wanted to like kind of point out that if they lose today, um, they're kind of staring one and eight in the face before they play the Lions again mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving. Um. And then I had a question for the both of you that I'm just kind of curious about. I meant to ask some of the guys during the week. But uh, when was the last time that you, I think, the Bears had a legitimately competent coach? Uh, just kind of curious about that. Sure.
3: Dion? I mean, right out of the gate, Lovie Smith. Yeah. Lovie was the last one. I still, cannot, I still cannot believe they fired him after a winning season. I, I can't. And, and a defense that was, that was elite.
2: So I will say I think that I, I under, at the time it made sense to me because they had gone through the Lovey Smith experience and even though he was ten and six the year that they fired him and I agree he was he was certainly competent and I felt com- I felt that John Fox when he came in was competent the problem was that he was trying to dig out of the tressman era yeah, correct and in terms of what they had. On, on the roster at that point was a mess. And yes. so while he was trying to bring them back to respectability, he also was working with Ryan Pace, who was going through his first you know, years as a GM. And he was trying to figure it out as he went mm-hmm. along. So I think John Fox was a competent head coach who was put in a position where it was difficult to succeed. Okay, and but but
3: Lovey's the last one who actually exactly. did have success. So, so that's
2: that's my disclaimer: is that I felt like John Fox was competent, but at the time it was just a bad mix, and it didn't result in anything that you could be confident confident in as a Bears fan.
3: Uh, well, y- correct, and and Mitch is right; they are looking. If they lose, if they lose today, yes, the so, gauntlet of their schedule comes rolling at them fast and furious after this.
2: Folks are well aware that after the lions today you've got the uh, the raiders in vegas in vegas you've got then you host the packers that's going to be a tough game no matter yep. what then you go to tampa to take on the buccaneers mm-hmm. you host the 49ers um, now this is where though at pittsburgh the steelers uh, have not looked at no
3: they have not looked now, that's so a, that's, that's, a, that's i think it wrote Niter. that one down as a win
2: yeah and i think the more you watch ben Roethlisberger play certainly the steelers defense is troublesome but I, there's a scenario where I could I could see them beating Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh if Ben Roethlisberger doesn't improve his play. And, yeah, and, of course, everything looks on paper like the Bears are right. going to be underdogs, right? Right. But things play out differently with injuries. So you're right, Mitch. It's concerning if they drop this game. Mm-hmm. But no matter what, the schedule, I think, you look at it from top to bottom, it feels like... Doing anything to make the playoffs is going to be more than an uphill battle for the Bears.
3: Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that they. I don't think anyone was under some sort of disillusionment that they were really a playoff team. Um, mm. Even with, I don't think so. I wasn't DM,
2: but I, I heard plenty of people talk themselves into the belief that they were going to be nine and eight, ten and seven.
3: Wow! And no, in the I mix, can't. I'm I,
2: just telling you. I, I, like, I know,
3: no, agreed. I know that there are people who thought that, but I just based on what on history based on what we've seen i mean i don't think that and and especially because everyone wants justin fields to play so badly that if they go that route i think that that they they have to leave open for growth i don't think he's going to come in and light up the world and that and he obviously
1: yeah. they
3: didn't set him up for success last week but even even so there is a lot to be learned there for him so i don't know
2: i think what we saw last sunday is that anybody who thought Justin Fields was completely ready and going to take the NFL by storm, there's going to be some growing pains. Yes. And they're probably going to be inflamed by the coaching staff that he's traveled with as well. Correct. However, however, as you noted in your coverage up at uh, Hallis Hall this week, there are some players who are still backing Matt Nagy. Yeah, Jalen Johnson um, talked about why the team still fights for Matt Nagy.
5: I mean, because he's our leader. At the end of the day, that wouldn't be to me,
0: healthier that I wouldn't be um, solving the problem to fight against him, to resist and say all these different things. So, I mean, as long as he's our leader, we're going to fight for him and we're going to keep playing. Um, and at the end of the day, the game's about the players as well. So, I mean, giving up on him is someone giving up on the team and giving up on the players. So, I mean, for us um, and for me individually, I would say I'm riding for the team, riding for the players, um, and whoever's a part of this organization is who I'm going to play for.
3: I mean, I felt like that was a a good vote of confidence for Nagy, especially from a defensive guy, because we've talked about how much he's divorced himself from that. And I, I watched a practice this week. He was... Definitely be bopping around to every unit, almost like fluffing everybody up, right? Like, we can do this, guys. We can do it. Uh-huh. But he, he was almost too energetic about yeah. it. Um, but, but I also observed that simply because there is this question about play calling and where his attention is and what he's really doing. Is, is this his moment to become a head coach, a true head coach and have his hand in more or have his, at least his eyes everywhere? I noticed that a little bit more. And I'm not sure. I still can't get a grasp on whether or not they had this big, Heart to heart with just the offense, mm-hmm. or if the entire team was there, well, that's th- that's something that still we couldn't quite get to the bottom of this week.
2: I think that's a good point by you because Matt Nagy has shown he's in over his head when he has to manage the play calling and be the head coach of the yes. team. You know, and I think again, 2018, I think Vic Fangio really helped him not have to worry. You know, the defense picked it up; they played at an all-time level. They created as many turn- turnovers as they did. And it made Matt Nagy look good. Mm -hmm. Now, we've seen the last couple years that when he doesn't have that elite defense setting his offense up with short fields to score some points, he's having a problem. So, you know what? Maybe that is the path through right now, the trouble that they're in, is that he allows Lazer to go ahead and call the plays, and he be more in the moment as a head coach, overseeing what needs to be done defensively, not saying that he's going to all of a sudden start calling plays – But recognize, hey, listen. I mean, there's so many stories out there of all, some of the greatest of all time. Bill Walsh, when when Mike Holmgren was his offensive coordinator, you know, he he let Holmgren call plays, and then also, but you better believe that Walsh had the final word, so that things went awry he'd say, hey, you know what, this is, you know what, let's get back to whatever it is. Running the ball, if we need, you know, get Rice the ball, whatever it happened to be. Same thing with Mike Holmgren, Holmgren when he let Andy Reid call plays, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And maybe we're at a spot now where he's never displayed the ability to be a great play caller. But maybe with the people in place who have some had experience calling plays in laser and Filippo, maybe it frees him up. To actually be a better head coach, uh,
3: I would hope so. I'm, I'm the when we saw the one time club dub was open this year, right? Mm-hmm. They they put that out on the socials. It felt so different than it did in 2018. In 2018, it felt so organic yeah. and so natural, and this time it felt really forced. And I I'm curious how that's hitting. In the locker room, how that is hitting everybody on this team right now, and 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 if if he's able to actually do that, to actually step away and say I'm going to be more of the head coach, if he if he can even even let go a, enough to let somebody else call the plays and 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 see, and if it's successful, then if he's truly being honest and saying I'm all about what's best for the Bears, well, Matt dear what's best for the bears is that you're not calling the plays.
2: yeah and you know what it's interesting because you you said that jalen johnson there was some support there when we played that sound but the one thing though he as he elaborated more i heard him talking about if he gave up on matt nagy he'd be giving up on On the the team team.
3: right and in
2: some ways you can look at it look at that as possibly an indictment like listen i'm a football player he's my head coach yep you know and so i'm not supporting him necessarily because he's matt nagy I'm supporting him because of the position he holds on the team. There is a possibility. However, David Montgomery, you know, an offensive player, right. maybe a little bit more behind his head coach.
0: Very
5: positive. The leader, um, as we know him to be. Uh, so it's, it's just a really about, it's in our hands uh, as an offense and as a team um, to, to stand behind him and be able to do this
0: together. Because, like I said, we still have a lot of opportunities and a lot of games to prove what we are capable of. So... Like we still stuck together like glue.
3: Let's hope so. I mean, that is right now the Bears' best offensive weapon, and he has not been utilized in the way that he should be. So let's hope that glue keeps them together, and they're able to able to put some put something on the field that like makes fans and everyone confident that what they're saying at Hallis Hall is actually is actually going to mean something on Sunday. Really, I, I don't want to hear about great practices. I don't want to no, hear that. Course. I mean, Trustman sold us on that too. Yeah. Great pra- We had a great week of practice. Of course you did. There's nobody else there. <laughs> of course I, you did.
2: Has has any head coach ever admitted they had a horrible week of practice? I don't. I, it really that you don't hear those, those you don't sound hear bites those too things. often. Bill, they might. Bill Belichick and, might be the and, only one who inter, said this and, was a horrible day. Internally, but
3: very often very, that won't be that never won't be public. We it's see always, we see 6 to 7 minutes of practice. Yeah. And we see what they what they allow us to see, which is just basic drills that again, you or I could do.
2: <laughs> well, let's head on out to Evanston and say good morning to John. Hey John, you're on uh, ESPN Chicago's pregame show. What's up, bud?
3: Hey guys, real quick.
0: Um, I, I honestly am probably one of the few guys, two people in Chicago that is not the field starting at this point because he is a rookie and you do have two veterans on that team. One of them should be able to run that team. um, But the the reason I'm calling in is plain and simple. If you had, if there actually was a system being run in Chicago, a solid system, a solid offensive scheme, you would absolutely have a veteran running this team that knows what he's doing, throwing touchdowns and fields would be able to grow at his own rate, like he was supposed to coming in. So, When there's a debacle going on and Andy supposedly has a knee injury, but he worked with the team all week, it makes me think that it's their way of saying it's Andy backing up fields from here on in.
2: Interesting. I don't know if I agree with that completely, Deanne. You, you had a, an interesting observation about practice this week when Andy Dalton was on the field.
3: Yeah, it was from Wednesday is the first day that they're starting to implement the game plan. And the first day we see them on the field. Justin Fields looked 100% from go. Mm-hmm. Andy Dalton couldn't run three yards without... He was barely jogging, could not move well at all. Thursday, he was moving better. Um, definitely moving better but again fields looked a hundred percent he was firing the ball mm-hmm. he had no hesitation he looked he looked. Great, in my opinion. I and mean, by Thursday, you walked off the field, and you're like, "All right, Justin Fields is starting." Then on Friday, Dalton did not have a brace on his knee for the first time. It wasn't a real brace; I mean, more like a sleeve, right, yeah. like mm-hmm. on his knee. So the first time he didn't have that. Again, a lighter practice, but that was missing. And then they threw in this whole, "It's going to be a game time decision." And and my curiosity is like, how how much how badly do they want him to start? Because they even even if he's not 100, percent like why a week a week earlier. You came out on Wednesday and said, you know what? We're going to end all speculation. Justin's going to start this week. Andy's not ready. We're going to, because we don't want the distraction. Then this week was just one big, giant, fat distraction. Like the whole week was a distraction. Everything was to pull away from the focus on the field. Everything was this noise around them. Then it, and it wasn't focus on the field. And that, It it just was it was all mismanaged, in my opinion. So I don't know why they were pressing so hard. I am interested to hear as the inactives come out, if Andy Dalton is the backup today, if he's well enough to be number two, because Nagy's answer. No surprise here. Nagy danced around answering that question. But is he healthy enough to be number two, but not healthy enough to be number one? Is that real or is he truly going to now be in this backup role?
2: Well, (gasps) you you asked the question, Dion. I have an answer for you. We'll do that, and we'll check in with Jeff Dickerson live from Soldier Field next.
1: Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. You're listening to the ESPN Chicago pregame Show on ESPN 1000 and 100.3 HD2. Here are your hosts, Jeff Miller and ABC7's Dion Miller.
2: The ESPN Chicago pregame show is brought to you by Three Chi and Valparaiso University. As we went to break, Dion Miller of ABC Seven, <laughs> my co-host was wondering, would Andy Dalton actually be made the backup quarterback today? Because we know that Justin Fields will be under center, and I have an answer, Dion.
3: All right. Drum roll! Brr, what are you? <laughs> yeah, no,
2: <you're> perfectly <laughs> That's done. That's my drum roll. <laughs> And the reveal: Andy Dalton will not be the backup quarterback. He is inactive today, which means that Nick Foles will be the backup quarterback. So there you go. You have your answer.
3: I'm a little surprised okay. that they were so insistent that this was going to be a game time decision. So he was inches from being able to start. But now he's not going to be able to play at all.
2: Maybe, though, maybe all the more reason why it just goes to show that he truly is hurt. Because yeah, if he was able to get true. out there, he probably would have been the starter.
3: I have questioned how the severity of this injury, mm-hmm. um, just in my head. Just watching him, watching the way he responded right away when it happened. And just kind of in sheer observation, I have questioned the severity. But perhaps you're right. Maybe it is. A lot worse. I've never had a bone bruise on my knee, so I'm not sure. Neither have I, and I don't want one anytime
2: soon. Let's head out to Soldier Field and check in with Jeff Dickerson, who covers the Bears for ESPN. J.D., um, your thoughts on quite a week at Hellas Hall (laughs) after an absolute debacle of a game in Cleveland.
5: Yeah. So Andy Andy Dalton's injury, obviously we knew last week was going to be a multi-week injury which is why I really wasn't buying the whole game time decision. I understand what the bears were trying to do. I mean, they're under guys like enormous pressure to win this Mm -hmm. game. So anything that they feel like might give them a little bit of an edge over the lines, they were going to take it, which is why they played the games with the quarterback. But Dalton's D was to the point where there was no way he was going to be able to play today. So they had to downgrade him to doubtful yesterday and now he's inactive today. So yeah, Nick Foles is your backup quarterback not a whole lot of surprise there just because it just wasn't trending in the direction for Dalton to play you can't have a guy come back off an injury who's only limited practice all week right. whereas Justin Fields as we know Deion was there had full participation all week and the thumb injury that he suffered against Cleveland wasn't that bad so it it was an interesting week at Hallis Hall but that's what happens when you have a historical Lost like they did against the Browns last week, so they're doing everything in their power to shake off that, to flush that, and bounce back here against the Lions team that really, on paper, win they should beat. But you know, hey, they have to go out there and do it. The Lions are not going to roll over for them and make it easy for them. Uh,
3: Correct. And Jeff, here is my question for you: Digging through all of the nonsense words that we heard at Hallis Hall this week, who do you believe is calling the place today? Has Maggie has Matt Nagy actually given it up?
5: You know, as vague as he was Dion this week, I think there's a good chance that he is giving it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically speaking, you know, he's resisted that call except for that little pocket of time last year. Uh, he's been pretty forthcoming about it. Um, when you play the way they played um, offensively last week, I mean, 47 total net yards, one net passing yard. You give up nine sacks, you average... A whopping 1.1 yards per offensive play, which is the second worst in the last 20 years in the NFL. I think it might be a good idea to take a step back for at least a week and let someone else have some fresh eyes take a look at those plays that you guys come up with during the week and try to figure out, you know, when to call them. So it, w- it wouldn't surprise me if we find out, you know, they're not going to tell us, but it wouldn't surprise me if we find out during the telecast today that that that's the case. But guys, you know, we can talk about calling plays all you want. The most important thing is the game plan you have coming into the game. It's not necessarily the plays you call during the game. That's super important. Don't get me wrong. But it's about your philosophy. You know, what are you going to do? What's your plan? And Nagy is as heavily involved in that as anybody. So it's not as if, even if he doesn't call plays today, it's not like he doesn't have a huge, um, you know, influence over what you're going to see offensively this afternoon.
3: Do, Do you think it will be starkly different? It better be. Uh, right? Right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they don't have a choice, right?
5: They don't have a choice. No, it has to be. Of course it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, they cannot let Justin Fields be stationary again. They, they can't do it. They have to move the pocket today. They have to roll him out. They have to have these design boots. And they have to take some shots down the field. they got to run the ball. they got to do play action. All the things we didn't see him do last week, they have to do it today. And... They're facing a team that isn't as good as the Browns, so theory has it that they should be able to execute a lot better and have a lot more success. I mean, I, Deion, if they go out there today and Justin Fields is in that pocket all afternoon mm. and he's getting smoked like he was last week, I mean, what what else can you say? I, I just can't possibly imagine that anyone that wants to keep their job would go about business the same way as right. we saw last week, knowing how bad last week was.
2: Jeff Dickerson joining us from Soldier Field here on ESPN Chicago's pregame show. Jeff Miller alongside Dion Miller of ABC7. Jeff, JD, the you, you it's interesting because you laid it out. I'm with you. It feels like it can't possibly based on the opponent and now the fact that you're at home doesn't seem like it's possible. It could get as bad as it was last week, but let's play this out. Let's suppose things are bad. They they struggle offensively, and somehow, some way, running into a a motivated Lions team that feels like they were kind of robbed of a win last week. Mm -hmm. If somehow, some way, they lose this game and they look bad on offense. I know it's never happened before in their history. Is Matt Nagy being fired in season on the table? Maybe not tomorrow, but when you look at the daunting schedule, could you see a scenario where they actually fire Matt Nagy before the season is up?
5: it have to be late in the season. it it have to be like we're talking like a three-win year. You know, when you cross that threshold, the point of no return. But, Jeff, you bring up a great point. This is a game you just have to have. I mean, there's there's no other way to put it. I mean, you look at the schedule coming up. You Look how Vegas has played. You've got the Packers. That's a loss. There's no mm-hmm. question about that. at Soldier Field. You've got the tough games. You've got the Ravens. You've got the Niners. You know, I'm not sure about the Steelers anymore just because they're a little iffy with Big Ben, but this is one you just absolutely have to have. Mm-hmm. If they go out there and look like they looked last week, I don't think there's going to be a firing. But, guys, if that happens, you have to look at this and say, wow, they might be done, and the calendar just turned to October. right? And that's a horrible position for any NFL team to be in. So hopefully it doesn't get to that point. But, yes, I mean, if they continue to lose and lose badly – they could make that decision, but I don't think it would happen until later in the year.
3: What will the fan reaction be today at Soldier Field if if things go if things derail? Um, how or, or even coming off of last week, what do you, what do you expect the atmosphere to be like today?
5: Well. I don't want to speak for all Bears fans beyond, but I feel that you and I and Jeff have a pretty good indication as to how fans are feeling. Yeah. And um, my feeling is most fans today are going in expecting the worst, but hoping for the best. Mm-hmm. And that really, in life, should be how you feel, except in sports. <laughs> you probably go in, ho- you know, expecting the best, and maybe just being like, "Oh, I, I just you know hope it's not the worst." Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I would say uh, Bears fans are a bit edgy. Uh, yeah. this week. But how can you blame them after you what you saw in Cleveland? I mean, that was just so pathetically bad. It was worse than the three of us ever could have imagined on the pregame show. when mm-hmm. all of us picked the Browns to win that game, but not in that
3: fashion. I think and that for
5: Justin Fields to look like that was just nauseating. Now look, you know, there've been a lot of, uh, you know, I call them the old, and Jeff knows what I'm talking about the old radio crusaders. This week, you know, that are rah, 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 you know, hot take, hot take, fire, fire, baby, blah, 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 Justin Fields did not look good last week at all. No. Now, a lot of that, some of that, certainly was the fact that he was getting killed, and the protection was lousy. But he missed a lot of throws. He was six of twenty. He missed a lot of throws. They schemed up some stuff for him that he did not hit. Now he has to take it upon himself to play a lot better this week, and I think he's going to. Do you, you want to ask me my hot take prediction? I think he plays a lot better this week, Jeff. I'll give you the same numbers I gave you last week. Really? So, wouldn't you feel so, a lot better about the 175 yards passing I gave you last week when last well, for, yeah. for last week, this week uh, when course. they had one net passing yard against the Browns? I mean, I think we. That's I, like you'll. Oilers run and shoot numbers right there compared to what the Bears had last week. I think we'd certainly... Uh, s- I think he plays a lot better. I think Justin Fields knows he did not play well.
2: Yeah.
0: And
5: I think he is going to be motive- extra motivated today to turn this thing around against, again, a- an opponent that has a much lesser roster full of talent than what the Bears saw last week.
2: Here, uh, Deion, I give the Bears one drive. They have one drive to prove that they have gotten things right over the weekend. After that, the booze will be raining down from Soldier Field if uh, they go poorly after that. Because nobody is going to tolerate any more of what they saw in Cleveland last week. One quick question, J.D. So have you been, because based on what happened and because of how much the offense let the defense down last week, I don't know if you can accurately assess how the defense has played to this point, because the Rams are a really good team, as you see. They beat yeah. the Bengals on the strength of their defense, and then last week they were hung out to dry because the offense could not pick up any first downs and create any momentum to get defense off the field. So my question to you is, Sean Desai, how, have you been impressed with what he's been, been able to do with this defense, or is it just too much of an incomplete to actually ascertain and give a grade to?
5: I think, Jeff, have there have been encouraging signs. I, I, I don't think it's a, com- a complete analysis yet. But I think there have been encouraging signs. I think the pass rush being there was huge. I think the turnovers they forced against the Bengals in week two was very important. I mean, defensively, if they play the way they played last week against the Lions today with a much lesser quarterback than Baker Mayfield, and again, a roster that doesn't really have the the talent that the Browns have, I think the Bears are going to be in really good shape to win. And and win. I don't want to say convincingly because they never win convincingly, but give themselves a little bit of a margin uh, of air here. So I, I have been. The first week was horrendous on defense, mm-hmm. but after that, I think they've really played a lot better. So I, again, I, I'll use the phrase, I'll use the term encouraging. I think there have been a lot of good signs that Sean DeSai does have this in the right direction. And speaking of booze, can you imagine the booze coming from Riverwood Sylvie's basement? If they get off to a bad start, I mean, all that free food getting knocked over, all that free drinks getting knocked over. Oh, my gosh. It's a good thing the kids are out of the house today because I don't (laughs) want to see – I don't want anyone to see what happens there if the Bears get off to a bad start from Sylvie's basement. That would be terrible.
3: That would be terrible.
5: Uh, He wouldn't be –
3: I, they can't, they can't JD. They can't do you? Th- it just doesn't feel this well, they can, Oh, the yeah, they can.
2: I know oh, they oh, can. I,
3: this is what they, I said last week. Can. I said that I, I started the show with this. I last week I was like <laughs> complete disasters, not on the table. And now it most assuredly is on the table. It could again, be a complete disaster. Do you think Matt Nagy is losing the team at all?
5: No, I don't. I really don't. Cause I, because, because I look at it this way. You cannot pin everything on the head coach. Right. I mean, this idea that everything is his fault, you know. Hey, where's the camera at? Put the camera on me, you know. Oh, you know, fire him right now. Um, you know, he's doing this intentionally, which is, is, is
3: so absurd. So absurd.
5: No, he's not. And the team knows that they're not playing well either, or they didn't play well last week either. So when it's a collective thing, I don't think he's losing anybody. I mean, he might. There might be some fringe veterans that are that are you know disappointed and everything, but that's fine. But as far as the core of the team. I don't think so, but when you start, if you start losing winnable games, that's when you don't lose the team, but guys start to check out a little bit, and I think that's what they have to avoid. Mm-hmm.
2: I hear Correct. you, JD. Well, here's hoping it's a little bit better. It can't. Uh, we just feel like it can't possibly be worse. Yeah. I, it's damn near impossible. <laughs> but I will say, if they lose to the Lions, the results could feel worse. Yes, I don't, that's I, right. Offensively, I don't, I don't it think can't get
5: Why it can be worse? But the, the if they do lose to a team that they absolutely should beat at home, yeah. yes, I think the overall feeling could even be more disparate than last week. And hopefully it doesn't get to that point.
2: All right, J.D., Well, we'll let you go. Get back to uh, prepping for Bears-Lions. Thanks for popping on the uh, pregame show with us.
5: Oh, thanks, lots so. of prep. Lots of prep. I know it.
2: <laughs> oh, boy. Don't we prep. know it. All right, J.D., All right, thanks, guys. man. Talk to you later. Uh, J.D. brought up Sylvie being upset with a bad Bears performance. The good news is, Dion. That, even if things go poorly, Sylvie has something to look forward to tomorrow. The Change the Game Rally. Wild and Sylvie are broadcasting from Guaranteed Rate Field tomorrow inside Shy Sox Bar and Grill. That's tomorrow afternoon from 2 to 6. Now it's part of the Change the Game Rally, which is occurring from 3 to 7. Admission is free, but you must get a ticket in advance at at whitesox.com slash ctg. That, of course, stands for change the game. So make sure, again, you go get your ticket. Uh, Whitesox.com slash CTG live music prizes. Speed pitch machine. Come celebrate the Sox in the playoffs tomorrow. Waddle and Sylvia at Shy Sox Bar and Grill on ESPN 1000.
3: He better bring Mason to this because his son is a White Sox fan. I was
2: going to say you might as well bring a White Sox fan too cuz to we know Sylvie's rally. not.
3: Yes. <laughs> he's, maybe he's maybe he's joining for this moment. Yeah, he well
2: listen, he's he likes to be a fake Sox fan. He'll say is that he's he rooting had- for them once the Cubs are eliminated. They're not playing the Cubs. He he will put on yes. his uh fake Sox radio cap for radio games <laughs> and uh, he will be out for the radio games tomorrow. So make sure you're a part of it again at uh At uh, the Change the Game Rally. Fine. That sounds super fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I'm Jeff Meller along with Deion Miller. We are talking Bears and Lions. Do you have any confidence at all? Is there anything Matt Nagy can actually do to win your confidence back and have him be brought back next season? Talk about it next on ESPN 1000. This hour is brought to you by Northwestern Football, Chicago's Big Ten team. College football returns to Wrigley Field this fall for the first time since 2010. Join Northwestern football when they host Purdue in the Wildcats Classic on November 20th. Tickets on sale now at nusports.com.
1: Chicago's home for sports is available always. Tell your smart speaker, play ESPN 1000. You're listening to the ESPN Chicago pregame show.
3: This is ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app.
2: The ESPN Chicago pregame show is brought to you by 3Chi and Valparaiso University. I am Jeff Meller alongside Dion Miller of ABC7 talking about Bears and Lions on the lakefront today as the Bears try and get their second victory of the season after an absolute disaster in Cleveland last Sunday.
3: Yeah, it's been a long week of a lot of chatter at House Hall. But then then they throw a wrench in things Mm. and decide to tell us that they've purchased that land in Arlington Heights.
2: Yes, that was... That was something. We kind of, I think, if you've been following that story, had a pretty good idea that that was the likely scenario that they were going. When the Bears showed interest to Arlington Heights, the township of Arlington Heights, Arlington Heights that they that that was that would be something that they might want to go ahead and move forward with. It became, I think, pretty clear that that would be. The desired tenant for Arlington Heights, right? Uh, yes,
3: no question. I mean, of course they would want a charter franchise in the NFL to build a state-of-the-art facility and not just a stadium, but mm. to build, like, restaurants and bars, like Wrigleyville on steroids, casino. right? Like they Yeah, like, make it a destination for sports fans.
2: It seems likely that uh, Rivers will be involved somehow in some type of casino because of the way that gambling has now been legalized. And across the NFL, you're seeing plenty of teams partner up with legalized gambling facilities, so it would just stand to reason that now that the Bears are going to have plenty of opportunities now to go ahead and build up around what, again, they they still have to complete the purchase, but I would be surprised if this is not where it's headed. So uh, that's something else that we can talk about with you as well. 312-332-3776. If you're a Bears fan, if you're a Bears season ticket
3: holder, yeah. what was your you
2: initial reaction to hearing that the Bears are probably going to end up in Arlington Heights at some point? You know, whether it's the next five or six years... It, the time on the lakefront seems like it's going to come to an end here. So we can talk about that as well. But Jeff is in D.C., and he wanted to talk about the Bears' woeful offensive line. Hey, Jeff, hey, what's Jeff. up?
0: Hey, guys. Appreciate you taking my call. Uh, you guys have great chemistry on air together. Just appreciate what you do. Listen, listen all the time. Well, thanks. Um, just wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the O-line. Um, just wanted to, you know, first, first off, say let's stop talking intangibles here about Nagy lost the locker room, motivation, stuff like that. I really think the main reason the Bears are so bad and look so awful against Cleveland is because the offensive line is atrocious. Mustapher hasn't won a one-on-one all year. Daniels and Whitehair serviceable, but we arguably have the worst tackles in the league. And, uh, you know, Montgomery's a great running back. Robinson's a great receiver. Mooney's got a ton of potential, but none of them can, can play to their full potential with this atrocious offensive line. So I just it- wanted to... A- Throw that out there, and I appreciate you
2: guys. I like that, Jeff. That's a good call. I, I not we, wrong. We yeah. do. I, I'm not going to lie. We do sometimes, at least, especially for my liking, get a little too lost sometimes in the intangibles about right. what's being said. And the truth is that when you listen to Matt Nagy talk, I think he's at a loss for what he actually needs to do. Yeah, the offensive line, not great. No, no, uh, undeniable. And so, that but the problem is you know they were banking on tevin jenkins being a pillar that yeah. they could build around and that obviously was completely derailed in you know in the preseason and whether or not he comes back this season they're not going to count on him for much and so you have to turn to you know ifedi you know which already was going to be a little bit of a dicey proposition and you know, now you've got jason P- peters who you know y- you saw why at yeah, 39 I mean- years old No team was really super interested after what Miles Garrett was able to do to him last Sunday. Uh,
3: Correct. I mean, and he obviously, well told, was fishing when they called him. So he was not exactly present in the hole. Like, I'm coming back and I'm ready to go as much as he said that he was. It's interesting because when they signed Juan Castillo to coach the offensive line, he had spent, uh, he had come from no, like he was not working either. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's fascinating. And they don't have in that front, they don't have a guy in that offensive line room, who is a rah-rah, you know, wake you up, get you going, like an Olin Krutz type. They don't have that loud voice. They had that even, like, in the Kyle Long days. Like, they yeah. had somebody who was going to stand up and and get everybody's attention, and they don't have that. And even when we talked to Mustafer this week, it was kind of, and even Jermaine Fetty, it was, they were like, we know what we can correct, we can move forward. But Mustafer, like, stumbled around saying, like, we don't, we don't I don't want to hear rah-rah. I want to hear see it in their in their actions. It's like, OK, but at the same time, this is a group that was kind of thrown together, as we talked about, because Tevin Jenkins was injured and Jason Peters arrived late and and Ifetti was injured for a bit. And so they were shuffling things around. I, I hope we start to see today that they're coming into their own chemistry wise and and able to. To, I don't know, work together as one as they talk about all the time. I remember in OTAs, they were talking about the O-line running around literally like holding hands, running from one place to the other and running to the facility and doing all this stuff to become this cohesive unit. And it's been anything but through the first few weeks. So hopefully that's starting to come because now it's this group that has been together for today, their fourth week in a row.
2: That's the voice of Dion Miller. You see her anchoring sports on ABC7 covering the Bears. I'm Jeff Miller. Don't forget, you can watch us on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Follow us and join the chat and make sure you get to Twitch because I haven't told Dion this yet, but in the 11 o'clock hour, I've got a surprise for (gasps) her. I
3: love surprises. And
2: you may want to see her reaction. We're probably going to do that. I'm thinking around 1135. We've got Dion's notebook at eleven seventeen, but before that let's uh let's do a little sunday morning morning quarterbacking with a couple of former qbs we'll see what jay cutler and trent dilfer had to say
5: about the bears debacle last sunday we'll do that next in two minutes